Hello, listeners, and welcome to another exciting episode of the 1970. On today's show, we will have our rapid reaction to whatever the hell that just was that PSG did. Uh, 2-1 defeat at the empty Parc des Princes against Manchester United again. Um, And to break it all down and to commiserate with me is, as always, is our esteemed editor, Ed. So, Ed, another game at home against Manchester United. Another disappointing conclusion. Yeah, disappointing. It might have been better that the Parc de Prince was empty because I, I think the Boo Birds would have been out with that performance. I mean, it's really hard. Other than Keeler Navas, was there anyone out there that looked like they gave a damn about the result? It, it was sad. It was a really a sad performance. And not when you expected. You had a Manchester United side coming in that had embarrassed us in, what is it, March of 2019 in the round of 16. Defeated us with like some under-16 kids. And we had an opportunity here. Mbappe, Neymar were out there on the pitch. And we just kind of just crapped all over ourselves and needed a Martial own goal to even have anything on the scoreboard whatsoever. Um, I'm, I'm getting way into the weeds already. I'm, I'm very fired up about this, but I'll, I'll let you get a few words in here about that, that resolve. I mean, it was horrible. Yeah, um, I think the stat that encompasses the, the overarching problem here is that Kylian Mbappe has not scored a goal in the Champions League in six matches. Neymar has not scored a goal in the Champions League in four matches. That's a major problem when you've spent pretty much a half billion euros over the last four years, pretty much the gross domestic product of Uzbekistan, on these two players, and they're not producing. Like, that's why these guys are here. Mm -hmm. They're here to create goals and score goals, and they're not doing that not just sell jerseys you got to score because their salaries their transfer fees is the reason why leonardo can't buy the midfielder and the the defenders that we need because we have so much money poured into these two players and when they don't show up and that's arguable i thought mbappe looked good i mean he he was attacking he didn't score i don't know everyone's saying he was pocketed he, 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 he I, wasn't great he, he wasn't, wasn't great he wasn't yeah terrible, but he wasn't great he, i don't Neymar think he was, was pocketed do you would you say he was pocketed i don't think so no i i no. think he was i think aaron Juan bissaka played him well mm-hmm. i don't think he was pocketed that's a i, I that would make it seem like he didn't do anything yeah and he had his moments but that that's not even like the the, the biggest problem with all the look you, you're not gonna have and i i keep hearing also that they don't have the talent on this roster and that they don't have good enough players but we've heard that for years now and that's it's just not true it's it's a it is a it is misinformation it is a lie because quite frankly they have for the attacking talent they have they have a good enough midfield and good enough defenders. It, they didn't lose that game because they couldn't defend. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't lose that game because, you know, obviously the first half their midfield was not well constructed. That was a tactical mistake by Thomas Tuchel. We'll, we'll get to him mm-hmm. very shortly. They, there was a, they, they, tactically, they were not good in the first half. I thought they, they didn't have the right balance. And then they brought Moise Keen on and they went 4 2 3 1 and they opened the game up, which. Again, had its risks, but they needed to do that. So I'm going to give Tuchel credit for at least getting that game opened up a little bit he, more. He tried so something. He had tried. Ch- had some chances to score. 
but the problem is not the midfield. The problem is not that they can't defend. They gave up sort of cheapy kind of goals, although the, the Rashford goal was a good, you know, that was a good solid play. You know, Rashford got into position. Dial, uh, Pereira didn't close him down quite quickly enough. Was and that, then was that, that Pereira? Goal, I think he squ- it was Pereira uh, defending. Yeah, that's what I meant. I think yeah. I said that. Pereira, Pereira didn't close him down quick enough, and, and Rashford just got it inside the post. Then there was the the the, the penalty, which really was kind of borderline. Uh, Diallo didn't move his feet. He was in bad position, so he had to reach out with his hand. Whoa. Rashford made a... I mean, Rashford, not Rashford. Martial. Martial, Martial flopped, but... Um, uh, no, I got to say, I mean... And, and it was a penalty, but he, he made the most of it. It was a pe- I, to me, it was a penalty because Diallo grabbed no. him low and spun him. We, no, but, he didn't spin. We got to get this out. Just because you're up on somebody and you're touching them doesn't mean you give them a penalty. I mean, in football, goals mean so much, and you give away a cheap one like that, and then Navas saves it, and then it said, "Oh, you came off your line too much," and it's no. like. Why even take the damn penalty? Just if you get touched in the box, you get a goal. Let's just move on. I mean, they're making it to no, the, the point the, where you can't the, even save a penalty anymore. The the, the second one, the, the 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 call on Navas was way more egregious to me than the penalty because if you put your hand on somebody in the box, there's a chance that the penalty is going to get called. I get that. I'm not I'm not angry about that. But that I'm angry about is that Navas was two inches off the line. He didn't move forward at all. To me, like that's against the spirit of the rule the spirit of the rule is that you Mm -hmm. can't step up to stop a penalty before the ball is kicked that's the spirit of the rule the letter of the law is that you have to have your foot on the line i i I think that's one of those where it's like really that that to me was more a, a sort of a a bad faith reading of the rule but besides all that that put that that all aside again half a million euros spent over the last four years on two amazing attacking talents. You have two of the top five attackers on the planet Earth. You arguably have three of the top 15. I put Di Maria in the top 15 of attacking players in the world. Is Icardi making four in the top 20? Maybe four in the top 25. <laughs> yeah, okay. Something like that. Sure. They, have, they basically have a, a 20% around 20% of the best attackers in the world, and you're telling me that they can't score goals against Victor Lindelof, some (laughs) random youth player they pretty much pulled off the street, you know. And and a right back who, I wasn't really following the drama, but like, did he, he got someone's girlfriend pregnant or something, like his head was probably in a whole different space, and, and, uh, Juan Basaka, I mean, he he was pretty. I mean, he was solid. Like I said, I don't think he pocketed Mbappe, but he was good. I mean, they didn't have Harry Maguire. You know, they they were missing some of their their normal starters on defense. And I even tweeted out, I was like, if Mbappe and Neymar don't terrorize this defense, like it's not on Tuchel, it's on them. But but you know what? We keep saying this. We keep saying that. Oh, these guys are going to terrorize this defense, and then they don't. Yeah. Yeah. And why is that? And we have to ask that question. And I think that there's fault with Neymar and Mbappe. I think they were a bit tired. It's not an excuse, but it's just it looked like they were not completely, yeah. you know, into it, completely fit. Mbappe did play like a lot were, for the French it, national team. It, it looked like they were dragging there late in the game. 
but that's again, that's not the overarching issue because this isn't a one game thing. If this were a one game thing, we could be like, all right, sure. This has been happening for a year now. This team has struggled offensively in the Champions League for a year, for a basically a calendar year. And one of the reasons why is because it's become very obvious that Tomas Tuchel cannot manage these attacking players in a way that gets them into the best possible circumstances to score. Like, that's it. That's his job. His job is not to, you know, make a great defensive team. It, it's a bonus that he's done that. It's a bonus that this defense has been good. But that's not his main job. His main job is to make sure that the money that PSG have invested into this attack pays off. That those guys score goals. That they're put in an offensive system that allows them to score goals. And I'm going to make an analogy here. And it might go over some people's heads, but for the people who get it, they'll get it. PSG are the 2013-14 Oklahoma City Thunder. That's what they are. Was that with uh, James Harden, Westbrook? And Durant. It's that team. They had three of the best offensive players in the game. All three of those guys have won MVPs. All of them have won multiple MVPs, if I'm not mistaken. And the best they ever did was losing 4-1 to the Heat in the NBA Finals. That's the best they ever did with that lineup. And the head coach of that team was a guy by the name of Scott Brooks. And what would end up happening all the time in big, ma- in big games with those players is that they would get into crunch time and Durant would bring the ball up and everyone would clear out of the way. And Durant would dribble, 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 try to fake through somebody, shoot a fadeaway jumper and miss. Next possession, Westbrook gets the ball. Everyone gets out of the way. Dribble, 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 fake, move around, spin move, fadeaway jumper, missed. Then they would do the same thing again, except it would be James Harden's turn. And essentially what they would do is they would stop playing basketball. You know, ball movement, dribble, drive, and kick, try to swing it to the open man. They wouldn't do that in crunch time or against good teams. What they would do is essentially hero ball. They would go one-on-one and they'd ISO. And it limited the ceiling to what that team could ever be. And they never won a championship together. They all left. And they all, you know, Westbrook's never won a title. Harden's never won a title. Durant won the title with Golden State. And eventually they fired Scott Brooks, but not before it was too late. That team needed somebody better than Scott Brooks who could take those personalities, bring them together, and create an offense. They needed a Phil Jackson who could fit all those pieces into a system that worked, like the triangle. It was the triangle being a form of offense in basketball where there's movement, where they, they set plays, they run actual plays and motion and movement, and... Oklahoma City needed that, and they never got it. So it ended up just being hero ball. Tomas Tuchel is Scott Brooks. Tomas Tuchel is a coach who's good, not great. He has good qualities, and he has bad qualities that sort of even each other out. And 
the PSG team is going no further than where they went with this guy. That's as far as they, that Champions League final, just like Scott Brooks took the Thunder to the championship, that's as far as they can go. That's the ceiling with Tomas Tuchel. They've yeah. hit it. It's not going any further. They're not getting back to that level if he's the coach. And I said this a month ago, and people thought I was insane when they lost the two games and I said, fire the coach. And they're like, what are you talking about? You're insane. You know nothing. It's overreaction. No, it's not an overreaction because you saw what happened tonight. They had no offensive game plan. There is no offensive game plan. They get the ball into the opponent's half, and they have two things they can do. Either Neymar dribbles at the opponent and gets dispossessed after he gets by three people but not the fourth, or Mbappe gets it on the wing, does a bunch of stepovers, tries to get the ball by somebody, and it either gets kicked into the stands for a corner or the cross gets headed away and the other team goes on a counter. That was pretty much the two things that happened offensively in that game. Di Maria did nothing. He wasn't allowed to do anything because there was no system into which he could do something with. And Neymar, again, running into a brick wall, running into a brick wall, running into a brick wall. And eventually you run yourself into a brick wall so many times that you get tired. And he wasn't effective in the last 15 minutes of the match because he spent the first 75 minutes running into a brick wall and killing Mbappe who should be is one of the most dynamic offensive weapons the game has seen in the last 25 years. The best you can do is just tell him, hey, go stand off on the side and maybe we'll pass it to you and then you can make three guys miss and shoot from a bad angle. Yeah. That's the best they could come up with. Seriously, yeah. that is the best you can do with and all of this attacking talent. The best you can do is that. And you're trying to tell me that somehow because they don't have a second midfielder that can, you know, make passes, that that's somehow going to solve this problem, that that somehow is going to solve the fact that they have no creativity offensively, no matter who the hell's in the game. Come on. If we can. Like that's, that's a joke. <laughs> if Come we can on. carry your analogy a little bit further, it sounds like what we need at PSG is a Steve Kerr, you know. You had Mark Jackson at Golden State. You know, that was a nice little team. And then Steve Kerr was there with Durant and all of their firepower, Clay Thompson. And they just win, how many was it, three trophies? And they had all this offensive firepower. But they but Kerr knew how to mold it and how to get a system. And at PSG, Tuchel just, like you said, just throws them out there and, like, just give the ball to Mbappe and, run around some you know like there's no plan and if you think if Mbappe left PSG and went to Real Madrid I can guarantee you that Zidane would not just do that like Real Madrid will come at you in waves of attack sure it may be led by Mbappe but there would be some sort of mindset some kind of game plan where it would just be indefensible like if, if Mbappe went to Real Madrid it'd be ridiculous with their midfield and everything else like it'd be crazy and at PSG I feel like we're seeing like 85% of Mbappe. We haven't unlocked his full potential. And it's because of Tuchel not really implementing an offensive system. And at this point, we should have that. Now, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but my whole reason for getting rid of Tuchel, and I am on the hashtag Tuchel out ban, is because 
this team needs an, some kind of uplifting something. After that loss to Bayern Munich, I mean, we didn't bring any major signings. Um, a couple nice little signings. Florenzi, you know, decent. But we weren't able to make that big signing. This team needs a spark. They need something to change. These players are just, they look like they're going through the motion. Um, something's got to change. And I, I think if there's a, a coach out there that is interested in this job and who wouldn't be with Neymar and Mbappe, I, I think you got to make a move. I think sooner rather than later. The, the move was, they should have made the move a month ago because this was very obviously to anybody with a brain how this was going to go. Like, it's not, this is not surprising. I'm not, I, I, as I said, I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm bemused. It's a bemusing kind of loss because it's like, yeah, this is how this goes. This is how these things go. And when you drag it out like this and you have this guy struggling to, and then in the post game, he's like, well, I don't know what happened. I, I don't know why we weren't running hard. Why, why were we not? It was a weird game. You know, it, it, it just, we didn't like, who, who wants to hear that? in a high like this and this is also his problem he's a just a complete goof like he's a he's a goof like who says that like you're the coach i'd rather say I'm, I'm pissed off at the players we weren't prepared that's on me but i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna chew them out and you won't see a performance like this again like take ownership but also say how you're gonna fix it just be like i don't know what happened we were just running around like a bunch of morons and we couldn't kick the ball and the goal well like it's it, it was we that's bizarre like, it's bizarre to say things like that because good coaches don't say that. It's just, it's like, do you have control of the team or not? Right. Are you the leader of the team or not? Very whiny. You You're whining about not getting this, signings. This is the point, though, and this is what I keep trying to, to hammer home to people. And, and, I, and I don't think they necessarily get it all the way, which is that, yes, would we like to have better players? In certain positions, absolutely. I'm not saying this team is perfect. It's not. It's not the most perfectly constructed team in the world. But it's constructed about as well as possible with the resources you're putting into those attacking players. It's about as good as you're going to get. You're not getting much better than what they have. And if you think that the coach's job is to you know, take all the credit when the team does well and then be able to blame it on the lack of players when they don't, or that the coach can just say, oh, well, I don't have all my players. Of course I didn't win. Like, if you really think about that and how completely absurd it is that a guy whose job, who's paid millions of euros a yeah. year to win football matches... That's his job. His job is to win football matches. His job is not to train. His job is to win football matches. And everything he does has to build to winning the football match. And, and let's and not forget to, who this game was against, Manchester United, who a year ago, right, came in here with a, a squad with a bunch of nobodies and won 3-1. to one. Now there was some controversy at the end with the handball and whatever, but like... And, and Pogba wasn't – he didn't play full 90 minutes in this game either. So it's like – it's not like Manchester United is coming in here. This isn't the Manchester United of the 90s or whatever when they were winning the Premier League no, every year. They're a, they're a, they have talent, and I think they're sure. better than their record says they are in the Premier League. But that's not the point. The point is your job as a coach is to win the game and to figure out a way to tactically you know, figure it out. 
Like, so what if you don't have all your players? Boo-hoo, so sad. You know, go, you know, do you want cheese with that wine? Like, go and do your job and put a game plan together that gives your team a chance. And this is like, PSG. We never have a full team. Everybody's injured. Variety's always suspended. Like, this is... You should never expect to have a full team, the, ever. The first half was embarrassing. The, 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 the Tactically, it was an embarrassment. Because to just to play Herrera, Danilo, and Grier on the same field at the same time made no sense to anybody, and yet they did it anyway. And it didn't work. And, I mean, give him credit, he at least changed it and wasn't stubborn about it. But even with that, he, in the postgame, he's like, oh, well, I had to take Grier out because he was hurt, and... Don't say that because it actually looked like you did something smart and then you tell on yourself and say, well, it wasn't really what I wanted to do, but the guy was hurt. So, well, why don't you, know, you don't put in, why didn't he put in Marquinhos? He's on the bench. I understand he maybe he's coming have, off an injury, but. And I'll, and I'll say he might not have been healthy, which is okay. And Draxler probably wasn't healthy either. So whatever. I understand that. But. They, they could have done things better than they did in that game. That was a bad game plan that they fixed. But then once they fixed that game plan, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who for some reason can outmanage Tomas Tuchel any day of the week for some reason, um, brings on Paul Pogba, and Tomas Tuchel has no answer to that. Like, it changed the game. Again, once they brought Pogba on, United controlled the last 20 minutes of the match. Oh, yeah. Because you, they, you knew they, they had scoring. Fernandez and Pogba, which is dominant. Yeah. And PSG had no answer to that. They had no thought. You know, I'll, I'll think of something right now off the top of my head. Bring Fadiga in. The guy can break up passes. He gives you another midfielder that can be strong. And maybe you play for the draw there. I don't know. But to do nothing, and essentially to do a bunch of like-for-like like subs at the end of the game, which really didn't mean anything, it was just basically, you know, to get guys yeah. off the field who were tired. There was no counter to the counter. Why not bring Marquinhos on for 20 minutes? He's on the bench. I have to assume he trained. I have to assume he could play 20 minutes. But again, it's like the, he, a lot of times Tuchel can counter, but he never has a counter to the counter. Jesus. And that's the whole thing. He doesn't have that, that next level in his coaching ability where he can counter to the counter. Like he had the move. It worked when he brought Keen on. And they got the goal. And then... There was nothing else behind that. There was nothing else to counter what they did with what United did with Pogba. Now, going forward, let's you know be clear. PSG are still very much alive in this group. They need to beat that team from Istanbul. If they don't, I actually do think Tuchel gets fired. I think if they lose or draw against the team from Turkey, who I don't even know their name, but the <laughs> team from Turkey, I think they lose. I think he loses his job. It's like I Istanbul, Basakşehir, yeah. or something like that. Because I think at from. that point they would have Istanbul, to go. I butchered that. I think at that point they'd pretty much have to go undefeated the rest of the way in the group stage. So they have to win this next game next week. I mean, so there's no, there's no doubt they have to win that game. So not, not only if they lose it, but he gets fired. But you're talking about you've got to go to United. You got to go to Leipzig. Well, yeah, it's starting to look like Europa League if that happens, and you hope. And if that happens, then it's then it's catastrophe time, and then it's too late. Then you might as well keep Tuchel to the end of the year because what the hell is the point of firing the coach when the season's over anyway? Well, I but, I do contend there is something in if they can win the Europa League, you could no, say no. There's not you don't pay you don't pay people <laughs> forty million euros a year to, to you don't pay Neymar forty million euros a league a year to play in the Europa League, and we're not at that point yet. Let's see what happens. You gotta you gotta learn the win. 
Yeah, let's see what happens against Istanbul, whatever, and and Leipzig. Let's see, because it's not. Oh my God, we're in panic mode. I'm just saying they need to fire the coach because it's very obvious they need to fire the coach. Well, well, like, well it's let me. It's never been more obvious they need yeah. to fire. Even if they survive this group, <laughs> it doesn't change. The the math doesn't change here. No. Against the better opponents, this team looks lost offensively. That dynamic is not going to change no matter who the hell they they you know whoever whatever situation that's that dynamic is that dynamic and it's been that dynamic for a, a year now well let me ask and, you since we're, we're talking about this let me let me ask you who would you get say they fire him right now who do they bring in well there was a, actually somebody mentioned on twitter and i actually think this isn't the worst idea is well obviously allegri is the a, a, an obvious choice. Yeah. And I know people are like, oh, Allegri's old school. He doesn't, you know, but, you know, again, have we watched this offense the last year in big games against big teams? They couldn't score against Marseille. Well, let's, you know, be clear about this. They couldn't score a goal against Marseille. They, the last, the big, the last three big games they played, Bayern in the final, Marseille and, uh, Manchester United, they have not scored a goal. They've scored one own goal in three of those games. So let's put it this way. Allegri can't possibly be worse than what we're watching offensively right now. So Allegri is the obvious choice, but somebody brought up Thiago Mata. And I think there's, I think that's interesting because he had some really um, interesting ideas when he coached PSG's under 19s. And I think a lot of people are going with that mold of hiring a former player like a Juventus, Andrea Pirlo, Chelsea, Frank Lampard. Um, I'm sure there's others that I miss. Uh, you know, there seems to be a, a, a trend towards hiring former ex-players that know how to deal with current players. And I think it would be interesting. I think having Tiago Mata there to just sort of right the ship a little bit and to be able to, you know, communicate with those younger players, it wouldn't be the worst idea. I mean, he's never coached at a high level, but hell, neither did Andrea Pirlo. And I don't know if Pirlo has been that good for Juventus, but it's, it's different. And if, you know, I, I think it would be something that they would, that the, ownership you know the Qataris would actually be interested in doing so you know I don't look at it like it's you know a total and think about it, the next Barcelona manager is probably going to be Xavi Alonso yeah well so, you're not going to get you know Carlo Ancelotti's doing really well in the Premier League with Everton you're probably not going to get him you know Nagelsmann maybe at Leipzig Maybe, maybe he's maybe he's but, ready for a step up. There's the, Pochettino's always out there. I don't think Mourinho that that's gone. That's not going to happen. No, I think, I, but I, I do think there's. I I don't think it's a big long list. I think it's either somebody like Amada, where it comes out of left field, or Allegri, who just seems like the obvious choice. But it's almost it's almost masturbatory at this point to um to think about it because it still hasn't happened yet, and I I feel like that their ownership is going to hold on to Tuchel as long as they can. I just feel like they, I don't know why I just have that feeling like they, they think that he can turn this around Yeah, and it's just like, he can't like, it's obvious he can't yeah. like you're watching the game. You've watched the last year 
and you've seen this offense go off a cliff in the last year in big matches. You know, uh, again, let's go back to last December. Two against Real Madrid. Um, one against Dortmund. Two against Dortmund. Um, one, two against Atalanta. Three against Leipzig. Um, none against Barcelona. None against uh, Man United except for an own goal. This is a trend. Yeah, the, not... the Leipzig game was the only one where we looked like we could score. Yes, <laughs> and that's it. one game in, in the span of what has essentially been 11 months. Yikes. 11 very odd months, but in the end, it's a results-oriented business. And as we were saying on Twitter, you're, you can't fire Neymar and Mbappe. You can't bench them. You can't whatever. The only actionable thing that you could do right now is fire the coach. If you think that there's a problem, which I think Leonardo sees that there's a problem, he also doesn't like Tuchel. So I think it's just a matter of time. I think right now Leonardo's hitting the phones, calling up Allegri, Pochettino, seeing who's out there. Well, maybe. I I think next week's going to be really – like they have to score three, four goals against uh, Istanbul FC or whatever they're called. Yeah, I mean that—that's a huge game. I mean, you cannot lose your opening two games. That—that that puts the group stage in jeopardy. That Tuchel has to be fired after that. And uh, we, you know, don't forget we got the game against Dijon at home. You know, who knows what? I mean, nothing's a given now. Nothing's a given. Yeah, and, it, and it, I think maybe the the largest indictment of all of this is that yes, I wouldn't say that Neymar and Mbappe look disinterested. I think that's too strong a word. I think they just look tired and I think they just look frustrated. And I think they, at some point it's just, again, how many times can you run your head into a brick wall before it's like, can we get any help? Is there anybody, you know, is there anything we can do that looks like tactics? I think they'd love to have tactics at this point because it doesn't seem to, they don't seem to have that. And it's, you know, you also have to put the onus on the players. And I think, these players are tired, and I think they tried to get the result in this game, and it just didn't happen. But, you know, it's a results-oriented business. And those stats of Mbappe and Neymar not scoring, you know, scoring one combined goal in the last, you know, six Champions League games, like, that's stunning. And, you know, it's like, eating him alive. It's like stunning. <laughs> It's stunning. It really is. I mean, if you said that to someone, they would think that's a made-up stat. I mean, that's that's absurd to have that much money poured into a player like that and he's not scoring. Like I said, if he went to Real Madrid, I guarantee you that wouldn't be the case. Zidane would make sure that, that you know, he would put in a system that allows him a lot of scoring opportunities and everyone's on the same page. And like you said, it's just the players are, especially those two, they're just running into a brick wall. They Mbappe's on the wing calling from the ball then okay he gets it and then he runs he's triple teamed and maybe he gets a shot off but it's a difficult shot and like that's the offense and it's like great players like to be coached Michael Jordan loved to be coached you know great players like to be coached and uh, we're not really seeing any anything innovative from Tuchel it, it's just kind of the wind has come out of the sails at PSG and that's why I think whether it's right or wrong bringing in a new coach will at least hopefully Put some wind back in the sails. Hopefully lift up spirits. Okay, we got this. We made a change. Kind of like Bayern Munich last season when they brought in their manager and they went on to win the Champions League. Maybe that's what PSG needs. 
I think they needed. I, I I think they've needed a change. I think they've needed a change for a month now. And you know, I can only say it so many times before I'm just you know repeating the same you know talking point. But it, it is what it is. I, they need a change. They've needed a change. It is what it is. We're we're coming up on time. We're gonna. We this was like an instant reaction after the the match. So uh, I wanted to read a couple questions and, and get you to answer. So this one comes from at Kakadi. Uh, they want to know, number one, does the squad, the first team, just need to gel more? And then number two, they want to know, has Leonardo and Tuchel's public spat ruined the unity the club was feeling at the end of the Champions League last year? That's a good point. Well, okay, who who started the public spat? Tuchel. Let me ask that question. Did did Leonardo open his big mouth and, and say Tuchel wasn't doing a good job? No. I believe it was I believe it was Tuchel, yeah, Tuchel saying that. Tuchel literally said, yeah. you know, basically he said, Leonardo's not doing a good enough job. That's basically what he said in it out loud in public with, about his boss. So you know what, I'm sure that hasn't helped, but they're professionals. That's not the that's not the main issue. And does the squad need to gel well? depends what the squad is we you know obviously again marco Verratti has been hurt basically for the last year so you know if he ever comes back i i I don't think he'll ever come back at this point knowing how many injuries he's had but if he ever comes back and he's able to play more than two months in a row that would obviously help um having marquinhos would help but again it doesn't solve the underlying issue you know what i mean like it would help it would make them better but there is an underlying issue no matter who the hell they're playing on the field that they can't generate offense that's not you know it's not going to dramatically get better if you put Marco Verratti in the lineup it's not going to go from scoring no goals to scoring five against United that wasn't going to happen if Verratti wasn't in that game they weren't going to score five goals they were still going to score about what they did because once they got into the final third where Marco Verratti isn't as much of a threat and he isn't as much of a factor, that's where the team bogged down. It didn't bog down in the midfield. They were able to, for the most part, pass through midfield and get the ball into dangerous situations. But it was the final third where they broke down, and they're they're healthy in the final third. Maybe a Cardi makes a difference if they have a, a guy that can you know be a target guy for them that they can run around, but I don't see that solving the underlying problem. Agreed. I think I, I think there's a bigger problem than the players aren't, you know, healthy. I think there's just a bigger problem here. Yeah, just to backtrack, I mean, it, it, it goes... We should say that De Gea did have a good game, and PSG did get shots on target. Uh, I don't have the stats pulled up, but, I mean, they they did have, you know, some efforts on goal, and he, he made some great shots. I mean, so I'm just but looking here. Shots, total shots, 14, that, five on, on goal, so... But here's the problem with that, though, and, and this is and this is... There's a difference between getting a good, a decent shot once every 15 minutes or so and having spells of play where you threat. Like, there's a difference. There's a substantial difference between having a good shot once in a while and sustained pressure. When was the last time you saw PSG sustain pressure? Yeah, it's kind of flashes, you know, that. that them back. Yeah, the kick into. Uh, Kurzawa in the box, and yeah, it was kind of like sporadic chances, so definitely... Yeah, and it's easier for a goalie to handle sporadic chances than it is for 
a team where the pre- you saw the way United got pressure in the last few minutes of that match. They sustained pressure, and that's what you need to score goals. You can't, you don't do it through, you know, flashy patterns of play. You do it through pressure. That's the modern game. The modern game is pressure. It's pushing a team into their own half and forcing them to defend, 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 defend. That's what you do, and it's ball collection in the midfield, quick passes. Yeah. Get the ball into dangerous situations. Pin the fullbacks. That's the modern game. And for a a coach who's in his 40s at this point, Tuchel looks so far – he honestly looks like he's trying to be Diego Simeone out there or he's trying to be Mourinho. Instead of embracing the modern game of pressure and, you know, and sustaining it, they just – they don't sustain pressure. And that's because their patterns of play are so predictable. And that's because they just let Neymar sort of just run free on the whole team. And they don't have discipline to sort of get them into systems that work. It just becomes hero ball. And they can't sustain the pressure that way. So there you go. Yeah, that's a great answer. And, And to visualize it. A good team comes at you with a wave of pressure, like you said, pinning the other team back. We're just kind of like lobbing darts over the defense, and the darts are Mbappe and Neymar. Like, we need everyone moving forward, everyone moving as a cohesive unit, pinning the other team back, and just shot after shot after shot until we finally find the breakthrough, and then putting our foot on their neck, scoring another and another, and just keep going. And we're not doing that. We're just Shooting a dart over the wall. Maybe that'll land. Nope. Oh, well. All right, moving on. This one comes from at King 90 Asked a few questions, but uh, we'll, we'll take this third one. Why did we extend Kurzawa instead of bringing in a quality left back? Um, they extended Kurzawa because they didn't expect Juan Bernat to get hurt. Yeah. So the idea was that Juan Bernat was going to be the starting left back. Kurzawa was going to be the backup. He was a steady backup. They could pay him to be a backup. And then if the Juan Bernat deal didn't go through, they at least had another left back they could use and then bring another guy in. That was the idea. The idea was that. And it didn't work because Bernat tore his ACL. So maybe they should have thought of getting another, a better left back in there, maybe. But I don't think they expected Juan Bernat to tear his ACL. You know, I, I don't think that they expected Juan Bernard to be their starting left back. And he got hurt. Yeah. That's what happened. And Krizal was supposed to be there as, signed as a backup. I don't think they signed him to this big contract or anything. He got an extension. Yeah, he and, was surprised by the extension. I think he admitted. He's like, oh, it, just, it surprised me. Well, there you go. But, you know, in the end, though, that's what happened. Bernard got hurt, and it was too late to really make a move. And I think... Mitchell Bacher should probably be the guy they play there because we all know what Levin Kurzawa is. He's a backup. And if Mitchell Bacher can turn into a solid left back, that's better for us than Kurzawa, who's pretty much hit the wall at this point. So I hope that answers the question. I think so. Uh, this one comes from at Milan Jar. Will Mbappe extend his contract if PSG bring in Kamavinga? I, I don't know if PSG could pull that off. So that's too far. In the, that's it's a little too far down the yeah. line. Um, I think they would have to sell Mbappe to sign Camavinga, but that's you know, because again, do they want to sign another? If that's another interest. If that's a longer conversation because that if they do sell Mbappe, that they're going to have to really 
roster build, and then you'll yeah. be able to judge Leonardo. Right. If Leonardo can't get it done with the money they're going to get for Mbappe, then you can start talking about him maybe not being around. But that's you know that's the that's the down the line thing, and I don't think we're at that point yet. Let's you know let's get yeah. through the year first, and then we can have that conversation. It's a long. That's a long conversation. Yeah. Well, this one might be a long conversation, but let's end on this question. This one comes from at Sports Talk 96. And it's kind of two questions, and so you can take it and uh, however you want. So do you guys really think Mbappe and Neymar's time at PSG is coming to an end? And will the Super League benefit big teams? I know the, the Premier League, uh, Super European, whatever they're calling it, where all the top teams in Europe come together and do their own thing. You kind of had some thoughts on that, so I wanted to end where we talked about that. But also, Neymar and Mbappe, you know, is, is their well, time at PSG coming down? They can't keep them both. Yeah. One of them's going to go. I, I think they're going to they're gonna obviously want to keep one at all costs. They can't keep them both. So my guess is Neymar stays and Mbappe goes. But that's, again, that's a little down the line. Um, the Super League, I had thoughts about it. it it might take a little bit but i'll try to summarize and, and talk i'll summarize now and then go into real depth in another show when we have time um i think the super league is inevitable i think with the you know with the revenue that people that these teams get from television rights and foreign television rights and the fact that the sport has gotten so global as opposed to local makes the Super League sort of inevitable. Now, is it happening in a year or two? I don't think so. I still think we're about five to ten years off from that really being a thing. But it's going to happen. And the pandemic has certainly accelerated people at least thinking about it. It would take a lot of restructuring. It would change the way the sport looks. And it would really sort of do away with the tier system i think you'd see a lot more teams go amateur and you'd have a much smaller professional ranks so a lot of those teams in like the third pretty much i would think any team from the third division down would basically become amateur sides and you know either amateur sides or they'd get absorbed as uh affiliates of the larger teams sort of like farm system and baseball so, like, if, if you're Paris Saint-Germain, a team like Paris FC, who probably couldn't sustain themselves in a new Super League world, you could probably ha- you could probably have them be your, like, minor league, where you send players to them and there would be minor leagues. It, would be, it may look more like baseball did, you know, recently, where you have, a, you have bigger leagues, then you have, like, the domestic league, and then you have sort of minor leagues where... Uh, teams are sort of affiliates of larger teams and they're able to make income that way. So that might be how you keep those teams alive, but they're not sort of professional teams that could like go into the first tier or anything. And it'll funnel the top players to the top clubs. You won't have the parity, obviously, but it's inevitable. It's not maybe what people want. I, I don't think people in England certainly want that. I think they're very much married to the idea of a, you know, seven tiered professional system, but that's just not sustainable in 2020. It's not going to be sustainable in 2030 for sure. So it's inevitable. I think it'll help the bigger teams because the better players will go to those teams. And I think that if they, you know, sort of do farm system style where they, you know, 
where essentially they act like a youth, you know, like something like, uh, uh, you know, in France, like a third tier French team, PSG buys them, subsidizes them, sends all their young players there and they play in that smaller league. And eventually PSG either sells them off or brings them up. So it'd be something like that. And that's sort of a, 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 a short rundown of how I think that would go. And yes, it would benefit the big teams tremendously. Um, PSG would benefit greatly from it because they wouldn't have, they would be in a better league. They'd be playing better teams consistently. They'd have better players. They'd have more revenue. Yep. So if you want to see PSG playing at a high level and not sort of playing teams like Dijon all the time where, you know, they're, they're having to, you know, break down the, the wall that all these teams set up, then you would probably like that better. Yeah. So, I, uh, sorry. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I think, well, let me just backtrack. Between Neymar and Mbappe, i kind of been going back and forth on this. I actually think just given his age, being younger, Mbappe, also if he left PSG for Real Madrid, he would be seen as kind of a failure at PSG and didn't get it done for his home club. And I, I think he just has a lot more time to go to Real Madrid, and I think he would cost too much. So I actually I lean a little bit more towards him maybe signing for another two years and Neymar leaving and using that money. And so I... I, I differ with you on that, but I, I do agree with you about the, the Super League. Um, you used an analogy earlier. I'll go with one. We're kind of seeing that in college football with uh, the SEC. If you don't follow college football, that's the best conference. I don't care what any of you Big Ten people say. It's the best. And all the teams are playing each other, you know, Alabama, Georgia. Uh, I won't throw my beloved Tennessee in there because we, we suck. But anyway, you're getting the best teams all playing each other. Every single week is a marquee matchup. And I think that's what you would get that in in the Super League. You would get PSG versus Manchester City versus Barcelona versus Juventus every single week, and it would be riveting television. It, it like it would just like like you said, nobody wants to see PSG versus Dijon. We're PSG fans. We don't really even well, want to see that. <laughs> well, no, and it's not even it, that's an that's a that's a part of it from a consumer perspective, yeah. but sort of just from the business perspective. And I will get into. I, I promise that next time we do a show, yeah. I will get into a lot of detail on this because I have my thoughts. Financially, the system that is in place just doesn't make sense for for it doesn't make sense anymore. It just it does. It's an old antiquated system that is going to outlive its effectiveness, and something has to take its place. And the Super League is what's going to take its place. So long, long live the Super League. Uh, this has been a super a super podcast. Uh, Mark, thanks for jumping on and, and talking about all that went down in that depressing loss. And at least you know we're kind of used to this. <laughs> this is losing, yeah. and especially to Manchester United. And if, if if anyone tells you it's easy being a PSG fan, just laugh in their face. It is not. So we're we're dealing with a lot of banter on Twitter. And so if you're listening, just shut down the Twitter machine for a little while. But Mark, how can people find you on Twitter once they want to come up? And lift their head out of the dirt and come back on social media. How can they find you? They can find me at Mark Damon Nine. Fantastic. I'm a, as always. I'm at PSG Talk. Hit me up there, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening, everyone. Au revoir for now.